Frank's Red Hot is the perfect blend of flavor and heat. So you can use an entire bottle to make recipes like buffalo chicken dip or buffalo nachos. Or even things that don't start with buffalo. Frank's Red Hot. I put that on everything. Craig. Yeah, I feel like I should be singing some country song or something. <laughs> like some song where you you lost your wife and you lost your house and you lost your dog and your truck broke down and Yeah. Um or just uh yeah. I I don't have one though. I uh I, I looked up some songs and then I kinda of forgot about it for all day and then uh yeah, so I'm sorry if you want to get you don't get to hear my beautiful singing voice tonight. <laughs> um, but this is podcast <laughs> versus everyone. I yeah, powers with me is Jeff Newser. Yeah, do do I don't know, man. Do I sound sufficiently bummed out? I, I'm trying to make sure know. my bummer is coming through the microphone. You, you sound bummed out. For sure. I just spent the last hour working on my Monday column, so that that was really good for bumming me out. Yeah, it's uh, we were talking about it a bit after the game, like the whole like it, it. This is this one's kind of a bummer because it you're suddenly realizing that maybe the program is not as infallible as we thought it was. Yeah, um, you're kind of realizing that. You know, the the whole, like, seven wins is not a guarantee anymore. And we kind of talked about for the season that um, seven, six or seven wins would be a disappointment. And now we're yeah. trying to figure out how to get to bowl eligibility. <laughs> dude, dude six, how how hard would we be celebrating six? Oh, yeah. It'll, it, it'd feel like in 2015 when, when they got to six. If we and, can get to know. six, we're going to be super excited. Yeah, absolutely. 2015, 2013, you know, th- uh, 13, like those, we, we got really excited those years cause they were still rare occurrences. Right. And now we're just like, gosh, man, like win those home games, please. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's basically it. I mean, you're looking at the sky and well, I mean, you know, we'll get to this plenty, I'm sure, but you know, I mean, you look at six games left, you got to get three and man, like all of a sudden it just gets really, really hard to, to convince yourself that there's three in there. Not, not that three's impossible or anything like that, but you know, I mean, there's the, the three that you expect them to get are this weekend against Colorado, but it's the home games, right? Colorado, Oregon state and Stanford. And it's like, well, you know, Oregon State's offense is pretty damn good at this point. And if people don't know that, people should probably get wise to that. That Jonathan Smith has put together an actual offense down there. And that just so happens to coincide with our team's weakness. (laughs) And then, you know, you got Stanford. And, you know, Stanford's not rolling over at this point. So, you know, I mean... Yeah, yeah, it's uh you you go from being very very confident to uh you know pretty you know, I don't know if I'm pessimistic, maybe I'm realistic, I don't know, but it's like you go from feeling very very good to feeling not very good here pretty quick and and you know one thing that, you know, I, I, when we were chatting o- online 
um, you know, they sort of mentioned was, you know, the last two games, uh, you know, I could kind of make excuse. I mean, UCLA was so fluky and, you know, you had all the fumbles and everything, you know, just all the crazy stuff. Right. And then Utah, you could say, oh, well, sometimes you just get whipped by a better team and that happens. But this one was like, you know, you can't convince me that Arizona state's a better team, at least not by any measurable amount. You know, and right. you had plenty of chances to win it, and you know, you you didn't, and yeah, you know, we, you we f- got spoiled a bit last year. It seemed like, yeah, the exception of one game. Like if if the Cougs were in the game in the fourth, they yep. were going to come out yep. with the win, and and uh, and yeah, that just didn't happen. You know, they obviously had their chance at the end to. Uh, punch it in for a touchdown. Yep, and uh, opted for a field goal, which and, we all uh, knew was the wrong decision. Like we were all yeah, just like, <laughs> well, once it, once they made it thirty four thirty one, there was I think uh, two forty left or so. Yeah, I mean maybe if it's under a minute or something, okay. But two forty, yeah, was, yeah no. they had plenty of time. Arizona State had plenty of time to move the ball down the field, especially how they've been getting chunk plays, how their receivers have been beating particularly one of our cornerbacks um, all day long, you know, your, your only hope was that they just scored really quickly, which they did not. Um, They took, you know, they took it down pretty well. Took two whole minutes (laughs) to do it. They took it all down to, you know, 30 seconds. And so it was just desperation mode for WSU when they got the ball back and, and that didn't work out. And, um, but man, it started, you know, it started really well. Uh, uh, They started out 10, zero, um, it was a bummer that it wasn't 14-0, but the offense was looking good. Uh, the uh, defense was getting a couple stops, and he thought, hey, maybe maybe uh, what we were talking about on the preview podcast is that, like, these guys just, you know, they, they haven't lost three in a row um, in, in a long time. Um, just seems like they're going to bounce back, and, and for a while it did. It looked like they were going to. Yeah, but, they did. They They played very hard out of the gate. They they yeah. did exactly what we wanted, and it was seventeen seven with about uh, with about uh, two and a half minutes left in the second quarter. Yep, and then they let Arizona State get ten points in the final two minutes, and all of a sudden the game is completely different. And Arizona yep. State takes the lead. Of course, WSU comes back. Uh, you know that wasn't you know that was impressive. Um, the way like it spiral, it felt like another spiraling thing. Um, ASU scored a bunch of points in a very limited amount of time, uh, but they came back and they, you know, they got some, got a couple stops. They got a couple touchdowns. They had the lead going in the fourth quarter. And then I think that defense just couldn't hold up and the offense just didn't score enough points. So they they were, they were at 31 going in the fourth and they had a possession with roughly five minutes left, you know, around five minutes left it, where they started the ball on the ASU 34 and all they could get was three points out of that. And that I think we were all, uh, yeah, like we said, we were all convinced it was over at that point. Yeah. And, well, uh, Jaden yeah, yeah. Williams is uh, athletic and gifted. And yep. um, he kind of was given free reign on, you know, he, he could run the offense uh, a different way. They weren't, they weren't pounding the ball. Of course, they did pick up a fourth and two uh, when uh, everyone knew that they were going to hand the ball up the middle. And yep. uh, the Cougs hit him, but didn't, couldn't tackle him. Yep. Um, but yeah, but I don't know. Like even on that fourth and two, I'm like, they're not going to stop him. <laughs> like, yeah. Not, 
Like you're like, please just you know maybe they'll pass the ball and there'll be like a in- incomplete pass and but yeah, you're just hoping they don't run the ball up the middle. Which they do. Well, what really happened? I mean, is that it, it? It was pretty much exactly what we talked about in the preview podcast on Friday, which is that. Um, you know, this game was going to go probably one of two directions. It was either going to, you know, the Cougs were going to win going away or Arizona state was going to win a close one. And it was, you know, and sure enough, Arizona state wins the close one. And the frustrating part is that it felt like, you know, the Cougars had the chance to win going away early. So when you've got a change in defensive coordinator, right, you, you do have somewhat of an element of surprise, um, for maybe a quarter, maybe a quarter and a half. Right. And so, you know, you come out, you got different personnel, you run some different schemes. I mean, they even ran, as far as I could tell, they only did it one time, but on a, on an obvious passing situation, they ran what um, was similar to like a green Bay Packers. I think they used to call it like a NASCAR situation or whatever, but it was, you know, there was basically like no linemen, And they had five guys standing up and, you know, so they were doing some things that were confusing ASU early on. That was part of the, uh, the situation early where, you know, they, on three of Arizona state's first four drives, you know, we caused them to punt and, you know, outside of the one drive that was eight for 73, these were the four, the other three drives, three for two yards, six for 18 yards and six for 29 yards. You know, those were the three other drives out of the first four. And you're looking at that going, this is this is great. I mean, I don't know if it's going to hold up, but this is exactly what you would want. And the problem was that we didn't quite, you know, take as much of advantage as we needed to. You had the drive that ended with a field goal on the, you know, the second drive. You had, you know, a punt, you know, three, three play minus two yard drive, which I mean, you know, sometimes those happen, but you know, and then you come back with a TD and it's like, okay, so now you're up 17, seven, you're feeling good. You got the ball back, you know, you're driving a little bit and then you hit, you know, fourth and three from your own 38 and it's 17 to seven and leach falls into, you know, the trap, which is thinking, okay, well, this is my, my defense has got this, you know, they, they're, they're playing great. And it's like, which they had went from on, they, on their very first drive of the game. Uh, they, they had, they went for it on their own, what? 42. Right. From the, in, in like a similar fourth and two. Yep. Yep. And with, you know, two and a half minutes to go, he goes, eh, I think I'll punt. And you're just like, fuck, we all know how this is going to turn out. Now, did we know it was going to happen in, in one damn play? <laughs> you know, no, but still it was like, I guess it was the second play. So two plays, right. But it was one 86 yard reception. Right. So, I mean, we didn't know that was going to happen and, and I'm not, but you know, you can vouch for this. As soon as we decided to punt, I was like, that's a mistake. ASU is going to score and we've missed our chance, you know? And then, you know, so you can vouch that I wrote that in Slack and it's like, and and I wasn't the only one. We were just like, this is a mistake because, you know, the defense sure had played okay, but you know, you can't keep counting on that. You know, this, this is not a unit that's suddenly transformed. I mean, they, they came out and they had a game plan and they executed it well and they, it got them an advantage early, which is exactly what you would want. So you have to take max advantage of that. And we didn't, and then they score a touchdown and then we get a quick, you know, three and out 
26 second, 26 damn seconds. And then, uh, you know, and sometimes that's, that's the air raid. Right. And then, uh, you know, and then Arizona state comes back with a field goal and, you know, all of a sudden a game that, you know, you could have potentially gone up 24 to seven at some point, you know, in there, you're, you're, you're tied going into half. And, you know, I I don't know that, a you know, I just, like we said on Friday, I, I don't think a close game was ever, 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 ever to our benefit. And as it turned out, we really only got four drives in the second half. And, and that's it. Yeah, and so they yeah, they went touchdown touchdown. Yeah, we scored 17 points like, on those four drives and it wasn't enough. Yeah, cuz ASU went touchdown, punt, touchdown, punt, touchdown. So they right. got 21. And they got they five, got five they and they got five drives. drives. They got well, really we, five uh, drives. We got uh we got I guess five, but the last Not really. <laughs> Not really. It was 30 seconds but, uh, with no timeouts. But yeah, another, you know, another issue is uh um, uh, like that drive you're talking about, um, fourth and three after that ASU, that's when their offense obviously really got going, but, yep. um, they had our WSU went 31 yards on that drive before that. And that was common all day. They were just starting deep and they had some really impressive drives in the second half where they went 92 and 84 back to back. Yeah. Um, but they, 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 they went, they had to go 31 yards to punt it. Well, where you're, if you're starting from the 25 and you go 31 yards, you're definitely going for it on that fourth down. Like there's yep. no doubt about it. You're in their territory. Yep. So be, being pinned deep, um, uh, that's, that's the game, honestly, that Herm Edwards plays. Yep. Um, that second half was Herm Edwards ball to a T. Yep. And so, yeah, the only, the only time WSU had a good field position was on that <laughs> ill-fated field goal yeah. drive. <laughs> One time they started in Arizona State territory and then couldn't punch it in. But again, that was the same deal. As soon as he went for the field goal, it was like, this is a mistake. You know, like, why are you doing this? You've got a chance to control this. You've got it. Your best unit has a chance to, like, put the game away. Well, yeah, or, or at the right. very least, make sure you don't lose it in regulation. If you want to lament not just about what Leach did, but what the players did, I, that was, uh, I believe, that two plays before that punt is when Calvin Jackson was wide open in the middle of yep. the field with about yep. 30 yards in front of him. And, and that was Gordon's Anthony one misfire. Gordon just, just, uh, yeah, he, he does that. You know, he kind of, he kind of just, just in order to get the ball out quick, he'll just kind of throw off his back foot and he just yep. airmailed it. And that, that yep. was a bit, that turned out to be pretty big because if he hits yep. Jackson, they're at, at the very least deep in Arizona state territory yep. and going for that kind of like kill shot, you know, first yep. half kill shot. Um, but, uh, it was not to be, um, something that you've said, you said in the, in the post game chat is, uh, talking about how, you know, this offense is really good, but it's not the like unstoppable force that maybe we were hoping it would be uh, right. because there it, it, and you know, those, some of those drives kind of show you that like they're, because uh, really, uh, Arizona State shut down the run for the uh, outside of one twenty-one yard run from Max Borgie. Yep. Uh, they they and they were they were kind of baiting Gordon into. They did on the very first play of the game. They baited Gordon into uh, uh, a running play because they were playing. They're basically playing. They had like two guys on the line. Yeah. They're playing. They're playing like guys, you know, deep off of the ball. So so it looks like, you know, they're playing a bunch of guys in coverage. You know. 
did yep. drop an eight or whatever, and then they would immediately like they would just bail straight at the line as soon as because um, there's not a lot of diversity in the runs that we do, <laughs> right? So um, I, I'm guessing if you can figure out you know the few different runs, um, uh, it'd be fine. And so I, they tried to combat that with a delay at one point, and it was really awkward play yeah that didn't um, really work out so I'm, great i'm kind of curious that they didn't try the shovel pass the shovel all. pass yeah um that seemed like that would have worked pretty well against that but yep. um but yeah that so they but they definitely so most of the runs when the few times like they, they only ran the ball like 10 times so like yeah most of the runs you could tell it was it, it came in those situations and most of them were like early and then you didn't see them happen as much yeah. Late. I mean, Gordon threw 66 passes. That yeah. tells you One thing that tells you is that, that this wasn't as explosive. There was some explosive plays. They had one drive where they had uh, back-to-back 29-yard plays. But but yep. it, there was, you know, th- this wasn't as explosive as it has been, um, you know, against UCLA, against Houston. So it was uh, um, it was definitely more. But they were still, they were still moving the ball. They, I mean, overall, they uh, you're talking 34 points on how many possessions? Like 10. 10. <laughs> 10, that's, 10 drives. That's, that's, that's really what you offense. had. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, um, and, and, and I know. Especially against a, a, a decent defense, which yeah. I think had some weaknesses that we could, obviously, yeah. um, Patman and, and, uh, Aesop, Aesop Winston yeah. just kind of destroyed uh, that they, dude over there with, with Jones, I think. Um, just had their way with him. <laughs> like that was yep. pretty bad. Um, I think uh, like half of Gordon's yards were over there. Um, might've been cause there was, I don't know. I mean, as I'm looking here, um, I could tell you the receptions, uh, Winston and Patman had 20 receptions between the two of them. Yeah. And Patman <laughs> had some pretty big ones. Um, yeah. And, it, yep. and then Winston was just kind of automatic you know it would be kind of weird you know there was a couple times that they just uh you they wouldn't go over there and you're kind of like just like just yeah, keep going why the because there was two things that were working really well um when, whenever Aesop was in single coverage just quick little slant he was going to get you whatever you like 5 10 15 and then uh those uh screens like quick screens outside because yeah. ASU was committing so guys, so many guys to the middle of the field. Um, those worked really well over and over. Yeah, again. it and, was uh, really interesting. You know, you mentioned how they defended the run and everything, and it was yeah. just really interesting to see the strategy because it looked like, oh, this is definitely you can run against this, right? Right. But then they would just sort of they did this strategy where you know if you handed the ball off, then they just sort of swarmed and. Right you know, made it very difficult for our linemen to hit their target. Basically, you know, they were just having a hard time hitting the person they were supposed to block. But then it also changed into this, you know, when, when we would pass, they were, you know, really just wanting to clog up the middle of the field and keep, you know, it, it, which was fascinating because like, no, really, as far as I could tell, no other defense has tried to do that to us this year. Um, actually, it's typically been the other way, right? They've been determined not to let us beat them outside with big plays. And then, you know, given up the middle, which is where, you know, Arcanado had done 
so much damage before he got hurt. ASU was like, no, we're going to, we're going to like foul up the middle. We're going to make sure that anytime Borgie leaks out to a flat, he can't beat us. Um, and we'll, we'll just go ahead and leave our, you know, our outside corners, our corners to, to do battle with your outside receivers. And, uh, more often than not, you know, the outside receivers won that battle. You know, it was, it was slants all day. It was screens all day. And, um, and those guys were super tough. They did a great job. So yeah, it was a really interesting chess match between, between Leach and, um, the dirty ass defensive coordinator from Arizona state. And, you know, I'd say Leach definitely won that one. Uh, just didn't win the game. Well, yeah, and you want to we, we talk about that for a second. So obviously, uh, Gonzalez, the defensive coordinator, Arizona State, before the um, game, made some comments about you know uh, we're going to kill the guys, we're going to hurt them, blah blah blah. But you really, I mean, it can be rhetoric, and some of the ASU fans that came on our came on our website kind of were like, oh, it's just rhetoric, it's nothing. But really, uh, I mean, there, I'm stunned that. A target that there were no targeting fouls there because there was that there was at least three that were very obvious and yeah and that and that were more egregious than a lot of things that we've seen right like being called targeting the fact that it wasn't even a review right some of these targeting like i'm not this it's not like sour grapes about the refs and saying that's why the kooks no not at uh, all but but it's just like this is like this are we just this, entering the midpoint of the season where we're going to stop caring about stuff like that? Or is it yeah. just, I, cause you would, you know, you kind of assume that because he made that comment, maybe they'd be more trigger happy on the targeting. Like since they had, he had this public comment right. about going after guys and then they, I mean, they did and, and it didn't, and there was, there was nothing, you know? Yeah. Um, there was so one that, was- that I remember very distinctly where one of their defenders ran over and tried to target Winston and missed and actually targeted his teammate, yeah, like launched himself into his yeah. teammate's helmet. And I was like, yeah. what the fuck, man, like they're trying so hard to launch themselves into anything that's moving. It's like. Yeah, it was it was frustrating to watch because and look, this is the thing like, you know, it's one thing to say we want to hit them hard. We want to be physical. We want to make sure that they feel us, et cetera. Right. It's a different thing when you say and, and, and it's not like it was just an offhand comment. He actually invoked language suggesting physical harm three different times. Right. So it's not like he just like one time was like, Oh, we, you know, we want to hurt him to where you go. Well, maybe he just means like, make sure they feel pain, you know, or whatever, like, which of course is defensive coordinator speak for whatever. And it's like, but then, you know, he goes on. Yeah. We want to kill them. Like literally we want to drive them into the ground until they don't want to get up. And it's like, I mean, there were Arizona State fans being like, oh, you're just being sensitive. He didn't actually say that. And I'm like, no, that's actually what he said. Like, like he literally said, it's, it's like, it's like this, this post fact world that we live in where people are like, well, he didn't really say that. And you're like, the fuck it's right there. Like, like he said it, like he said, and then, you know, another, in a, in sort of a separate quote, he said, um, he wanted to make sure they were limping off the field, which of course is a little more benign than the other right. ones, but still is like, you know, with the theme is like, we want them injured. And it's like, yo, like, 
who says that, you know, like it's one thing to say that to your team behind closed doors, but who says that out in public? And, you know, it was clear that they took him seriously and they tried and they failed and, you know, whatever, he looks like a chump and, you know, they end up with the win anyway. And so that's, well, that's you know, just another reason to be irritated. It, I, I was just thinking after I'm like, I'm, I'm mad that guy's happy. Cause no like, shit. Cause his, his, his side didn't do their job. No, like WSU was moving. They got shredded. Yeah, they got shredded. Like so, you, like you didn't do your job. Your guys were getting away with stuff. They were hurting each other because of what you're teaching them to do, which is exactly what like the rules are meant to get people away from teaching. And 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 it was I I can't I it it was so frustrating that in this where you've just seen the most delicate of like grays grays hits be at least reviewed right um i've thinking of a few times already particularly if it's that. a quarterback yeah see these were receivers but they were defenseless receivers so right like, oh totally that, um yeah i mean winston I, you know, took I, a hell of a shot on one winston uh bell got rocked pretty hard uh um there was a very clear forearm to the neck and head area as Patman was catching a ball and then he somehow, you know, like didn't fall down and like ran. Yeah, because he's six foot three, two hundred and twenty pounds. Yeah, like he he just got clocked on the head and then just like kept going because like I'm pretty sure everyone thought that there was gonna be a flag thrown on the field and like everyone was like, What the hell? It was a pretty weird looking play. But yeah, so there those three that I and I there was a few other that were iffy too that you would think there would at least be a review on. Um but uh but not so much. And I I wonder if this is just um, because we're deep in Pac-12 play now, and so we're going to stop doing that. We don't, but or or if it was just a unique to this game, and uh, but it's supposed to be the same, the same people calling doing all the games for targeting, right? So it's supposed um, to be, but somebody's got to somebody's got to flag it for review. You know, that's that's kind of the big thing. I because th- I, I don't think the same person flags them for from? review. I, I think it just comes from whoever the the replay person is on the game. Okay. So, you know, you've got your replay official at the game who would handle any replays. And that person, by the way, was <laughs> apparently not interested in doing anything for well, uh, in that game because, you know, there was the one where uh, – oh, who was it? Was it Bell or Harris? Harris who scored. And then uh, they didn't decide just not to review it. And, I mean, we ended up scoring on the next play or two anyway, but it was yeah. like – it was like, yo, he was in like, like, and, and, you know, if you wanted to be like, I don't know, that's, well, it's tough out. to tell. Leech. It's like, at least go through the formal review of it. Leach called a timeout to give him time. It, yeah. Which was, which was a terrible decision, but whatever. Yeah. And it's like, I, anyway, but if just, you call a timeout and then they had to review and you get your timeout back, so Leach is probably like, "Oh, they're going to review it." And yeah, I guess I don't and, know, and, man. And it it seems was in the weird. Past that they typically do review it, like yeah. it was when it's that close. But yeah, but I, I was wondering if, if part of it was the broadcast because on that particular it's possible, play, the broadcast didn't show any replays. Yeah, and that was and, and that, one of the worst broadcasts I have oh, ever was, seen. It was a mess. Like Robinson had no idea what many like what there was flags on the play, and they wouldn't even show the ref calling yeah. what it. We're was. not even showing the announcement that of the there flag. Was a flag, and yeah. then Robinson was like, "Oh, apparently there was a flag." And then, and like, it doesn't after, take much to confuse Ted Robinson. So let's be honest about that too. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, well, and because he goes on some of his little 
non like play by play related spiels spiels and and sometimes when he does that or i think he just he just loves yogi so much and it just you know that too but it, but it, but but uh but yeah so they would there was like at least three times where they're just like there's a flag on the play and they're not even, and then they like as the other plays going they're like oh yeah it was this and it's like really like what is going on like your whole purpose is to tell me what's going on in this game right like and yeah that was just and uh Man, the camera work was yeah. difficult. It, it, like the whole thing was atrocious. At times. Yeah, and it the was, whole thing yeah. was atrocious. And uh, something it, that um, uh, something uh, Preston has said because uh, he knows because uh, his wife works in the industry is the Pac-12 um, hires the cheapest labor they could possibly get. They they don't hire union labor. They right. Need, so they they're getting inexperienced folk um so if you're ever watching a pac-12 football broadcast and you're like this just doesn't seem as good uh there's a reason for that. yeah there's a reason um but uh yeah so anyways yeah we could rant about them yeah forever but let's <laughs> uh let's let's talk about the defense um maybe we should take a quick break before we talk oh, about yeah. the defense what yeah. do you think well now no one's gonna come back yeah we'll keep <laughs> talking back. football i We're promise keep talking football don't worry yeah all right. All right, taking a break. Let's talk some defense. All right, let's talk That's some exciting. Defense. Yeah. Oh man. Wow, gosh, you know, for <laughs> for for 27 minutes, you were like, "Okay, they can hold it down enough for WSU yeah. to win this game." Like, yeah. Like you knew ASU was going to start scoring at some point. But if you could just get to halftime, like with a, a any sort of lead, yeah, you know, like th- then you're feeling like okay, they can hold it down enough. But man, uh, then you get to the end of the the game, and at that point, even even though they had just stopped them on the previous one, that was kind of a weird. Um, they were deep in their own territory, and yep, yeah, I don't know they. they they had just stopped them three and out, but it was. But at the same time, you were just like, "They're that's not going to happen. Not this time." No, nope. like, and they didn't. Like ASU, nope. it took them ten ten plays. You know the fourth down, of course, but but the, the, you know there wasn't there wasn't any doubt that they were going to score. Yeah. And you were just like I said earlier, just hoping they would score early. But but yeah, throughout the game, as obviously they started, you talked about kind of some different looks, and uh, they were getting pressure. Um. They had uh, three sacks in the first half, right? Yep. Um, yep. Which Lots of stunts and twists up front. Yeah. Seemed like yeah, it pretty, it, like, it didn't seem like overly complicated stuff for the most part, but for whatever reason, ASU wasn't really prepared for it. Well, yeah. But then once ASU could protect, then they could see that Marcus Strong could not guard Ayuk. Yeah, and <laughs> Marcus Strong couldn't over. cover anyone. It wasn't just Ayuk; it was anybody on that. So, like, there was a stretch where they literally weren't even looking to the right side of the field. It was just left, 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 and it was like. So I mean, I guess maybe if we want to take a positive away from it, Daniel Isom had a pretty great game, at least in the sense that they wouldn't even throw his direction. So. Yeah we can presume that he was, you know, not doing a terrible job. Yeah, the old, they threw his the way one time Sherman. on a, 
Yeah, they threw his way one time on a fade down the sideline, and he covered it well. And then they, as far as I remember, didn't even go back to that side. So, well, they yeah. they had um, they uh, on the last drive they had uh, Hicks in for in probably a dime package. I'm guessing. Yeah, because so, Strong uh, was still on the field, but they had Hicks. Still, but Hicks was lined up directly on. Yep, they had Hicks the all the way on the outside. It looked like they were trying to be a little more physical, and then sort and of the bracket. Got a pass breakup. Yeah, which he did. I mean, it just got to a point. It was like, uh, you know, after the last, you know, time he was burned, we were all just like, he can't play anymore. Like, he should not be on the field. Well, then, of course, the next drive was, you know, here comes Hicks, and they're doing like kind of a bracketing thing out on that side. But it's, you know, I mean, you do those things and you open yourself up to other stuff, right? I mean, that's the touchdown that won the game. You know, you're trying so hard to bracket these dudes, and so so you can't spy him because you're trying to like, you know, run with these guys. Well, they had done so well. Yeah, they contained him pretty much the entire game. Yeah, the whole game. He had he had like one like uh, ten yard run. He had a couple other runs, but there was nothing like back breaking. No, but but he until then wide open for him. (laughs) He didn't get touched until the two yard line. And and he, of course we'll we'll get another iconic replay of a quarterback yeah, diving over fun. the end zone against us. So that same with Cal a couple of years ago. But yeah, um, so yeah, it was uh, um, that was rough. They, that it, it it was rough because uh, it just once once they figured out to go to the left, their left, um, yep. that, that then it, it just it was it was over. Yeah, defense and and really, what kind of saved us is that on, honestly, a lot is Ayuk. I think they said he had like a stomach bug or something, and he couldn't play every series, and so he wasn't always yeah. in there. Yeah, thank God he had to leave the field. And, yeah, he wasn't always in there, but oh my god, <laughs> like, not <laughs> right? even, like not even playing his full amount of draw like snaps. Um, I know what was his final total uh he only had seven receptions for 196 yards yeah that's pretty good day yard 86 yard touchdown i think he had a 40 some yard touchdown a 30 some yard touchdown yeah um yeah so that i mean the rest of the receivers didn't do a lot like kyle williams had five of 49 he had a 50 yeah long and he had like a one he had like one uh really nice like like a bubble screen kind of thing yeah. I think he gained about guy, 20. One other guy had one catch for 25, and then the rest really weren't getting chunks. No. Um, but, you know, Ayuk, and I, 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 I would be interested to see how many of his, well, I, all of his big plays came when he was lined over on the left. Yep. Um, yep. So, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, the, the thing that is sort of like stunning, and I kind of threw this out there on Slack, but I, I don't know that anybody responded, but, you know, you just kind of think like, obviously with football, um, you know, it's such like, like people like to really sort of reverently refer to the fact that it's sort of the ultimate team game, right? Like, like you've got 11 guys and you need all 11 guys to do their job. And it's like, you know, while that's true, I I do think there are positions where if a guy doesn't do his job, (laughs) then it's not necessarily a backbreaker, right? Like maybe if a lineman doesn't do his job, a, what could be a two yard run turns into a six yard run. Right. Or a ten yard run, or whatever. 
Um, you know, a linebacker doesn't do his job. What could turn, what could be a five yard run turns into a 15 yard run or whatever. Right. But it's like, man, you got, (laughs) you got a one corner who can't do his job and is just consistently getting picked on. Um, I don't know that there's, I mean, maybe a safety, like, like maybe a bad safety since we kind of watched that happen the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, maybe a bad safety can do that to you too. But I'm, I, if I'm like, you got, if you got to pick, force me to pick one spot where I'm like, you know, that person being your weakest link is probably the worst case scenario. It's having, I think one of your corners, right? Because you can just get a a safety. Yeah. You might give up a big play or something, take a bad angle, whatever. But, but if your corner like can't do anything, I mean, it's just like free yards all the time, like all the time. And then when you get, you know, you mix in the, the poor tackling, it's, you know, then you get what we got on Saturday, which is, you know, these huge plays that, um, are real, you know, backbreaking stuff. And, you know, I said it at the end of the game and, and, and I try, you know, try real hard not to really sort of kill, um, you know, these players. Cause I do remember that they are college students. They are, you know, young men, they are, um, not professionals as, uh, you know, as we know. Um, so I try real hard not to do that, but you know, if you're gonna do this, then you, you know, you're sort of open for criticism and you know, it, I didn't think it was too much of an overstatement to say that they lost this game because of Marcus strong and because of, you know, Mike Leach's decisions to not be aggressive with his offense. And, you know, I know that, you know, people might disagree with that, but particularly the leech thing, I think some people disagree about, you know, the fourth down decisions or whatever, but, um, but strong was so, so blatantly bad and his mistakes were so punished that I'm not sure how you can say, okay, if you had even just, you know, competent play out there, um, you know, I, I mean, I mean, how much would you say he was worth? Like negative fourteen points, something yeah. like that, yeah. right? I mean, because some of the in a game that you lost by the, four, some of the yards, some of the yards after the catch are on the safeties because there was definitely that is true. Tackles and that stuff. is true. So that's not all. You can't be like, oh, he got burned by Ayuk, and he got an eighty-nine yard touchdown. Well, true. part of it was that the safeties were a disaster in trying to bring him down, and they just got also like, forged. Um, but yeah, I would, you know, 14 is sounds about right. Um, especially because how much ASU was focusing on that side of the field. Um, yeah. And then on top of that, you know, this was, uh, probably their worst, uh, performance against the run. Uh, like Ben, Benjamin had been averaging 3.7 yards a carry. He 19 carries for 137 yards. Like they didn't, I mean, they, they totally like, they pass the ball more than they run which they don't typically do right and so they were they were getting i mean they like there was but the the problem is like they were they they would run on first and second uh you know quite a lot first down quite a bit um benjamin was never never tackled for loss um and and that that hurts you because yeah you'd feel like okay they're bottling him in but he's still getting three getting four Like that, because because he's I mean he's he is a tough guy to bring down for sure, um, but they were definitely kind of letting him slip out. 
it was taking four or five guys to bring him down generally. Yeah. I um, mean, he definitely had a ton of yards after contact. Yeah. Um, Particularly in the second half. Like, yeah. the second half was when it got bad. Yep. But really, only 19 carries for him, which is not... We've seen him get a lot more carries than that. Yep. Um, because it just wasn't really necessary. Like, it yep. wasn't necessary for him to get that yardage. Sometimes, and there was, there was times when uh, uh, they kind of ran the ball too much. Um, and I think that's when you saw that Cougs were able to get some stops is maybe they ran the ball a couple times so that they put them in a third and short and then yep. then they were able to stop that. Yep. Yeah. So that, that was just all around. The defense was uh, uh, shredded pretty bad. Um, yeah. It was like probably, I mean, it's not their worst. I, I would say UCLA is their worst performance of the year, but this is definitely up there. Um, this is now six pack 12 plays, 67, 38 and 38 points. Yeah. Um and I the points per possession are astronomical. Um yeah, so this is the defense is bad. Like it's really yeah. Bad. Like it's L- the worst defense we've had in five years. So Yeah. L- let me ask you this question though, because I was kinda I kinda threw this out there on our Slack channel, like, hey, what do you guys think of this idea? And the idea was that um this was granted that the the overall stats look as bad or worse than you know, really any other game other than UCLA. Um, but, you know, do you buy the idea that maybe this was actually an improvement or a step in the right direction? And I don't know that, you know, you just, just from the, you know, the first few drives or whatever, where they played okay. But the fact that, you know, there weren't, there didn't seem to be just dudes running open all over the place. Like there was against Utah. Um, you know, it was really just these, these big plays that, um, they couldn't figure out a way to, to stop that were really the problem, but that otherwise they, you know, they were, they were okay. I mean, you know, granted Benjamin racked up a bunch of yards in the second half and, and, you know, that, that's true, but I mean, you you know, put it in the context, like ASU's offense is not good. No, and that's true. And they haven't been good, and, and this that's is true. Best performance of the year. Yes, and that's Colorado, also true. <laughs> Colorado's offense defense is horrible, but it doesn't. But I would say this: and, like it doesn't look as bad statistically if you, for example, let's say, you know, let's say instead of giving up an eighty-six yard touchdown, they have to go. 10 plays for that touchdown. You know what I mean? Like, like in the end, is it, is it all that different? Maybe not, but you know, it's, well, yes, it, it is because there was two minutes left and they it, it, got, okay. So then, 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 then maybe they don't get that field goal. Then, yeah. So what I'm saying is like, okay, so if Marcus strong or, or, you know, generic corner can make that tackle, right. You know, maybe that's, you know, everything looks really different. So I, you know, I don't know. Like I, I feel like, and I know this is probably fool's gold, you know, this is probably just, you know, trying to talk myself into something. Um, but it sure feels like if they can somehow figure out a way, because it feels like they were more sound than they had been, which is, a, which is sort of your first step, right? Like, don't, don't have dudes running wide open all over the place. Like, that's sort of your first step coming off that Utah game where it was like, I mean, Huntley could have thrown to four different guys on every play, you know, if he wanted to. Um, 
so this feels like a step in that direction. And then of course the next step is, you know, how do you not give up, you know, the, the massive chunk plays, um, which was sort of Alex Grinch's big quandary when he showed up, right. Which is how do we, (laughs) how do we stop these big plays? But I, I don't know, like, do you feel like this was a step in the right direction? Does it change your feeling at all? Even if it was, I don't know, that's a very open ended thing, but. Well, yeah. So, I mean, it, in you also um like today you you uh you sent out a tweet about how um uh if in the in the first half there was some Seattle sports person who was talking about how the Seahawks were hanging in the game right and, and despite you know getting down early or whatever um and then the, and then that people will typ- typically build that narrative and then they'll have that narrative while ignoring like the missed opportunities and things like that. Right. Um, so yeah, like you, like you have this feeling that they were playing better and yeah, I do. I agree with you. It did seem like there were guys in spots that they needed to be. And then, and the, but again, the tackling was not good. Um, that's just something that's like, has not improved throughout the season. Yeah. And now you're playing better athletes and it's getting, it's getting bad. And right. When you play guys like Ayuk and Benjamin, like it's and Jaden Daniels, like it's uh, you, if you don't tackle them, you're going to get punished. Um, but yeah, it's so yeah, I, I yeah, I'm trying like yeah, it felt better, but also like I've seen we we know so many times that like teams can just play above, but you know they can get a few plays can go their way. Sure. And, and suddenly, you know, for a half, it can look like things are all right. Sure. But really, like, a- after, you know, once once they got that 80, 80 sorry, I've been to 89, 86-yard touchdown, um, it was kind of, the defense, I mean, they forced two punts after that in, in the, the remaining, I think, uh, six or seven possessions, seven possessions, or six maybe possessions. Um, but the rest was uh, three touchdowns or three touchdowns and a field goal, and one of them was a field goal that came only because only because of the clock. Time. Like, yeah. they were definitely going to score a touchdown on that drive. Yeah. I think they kicked the field goal on second down. So like, like you're you're looking at they if if ASU had time, probably four touchdowns and six and six drives. Like right. that's not good. No, that's terrible. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> uh, that's terrible, especially to a, a, an offense that had not been scoring anywhere right. near that rate the right. rest of the season. So yeah, they, they are more sound, but then it kind of makes you like, holy crap! They, they or holy shit, where you got the E rating? Holy shit! That like, yeah, if, if yeah, you they, go ahead and swear. If even if they can be in the same the spots where they're supposed to be, they still get shredded. Like yeah. they give up five hundred yards and at you know. Yards per play was at nine, I think, or seven point yeah. eight. I'm sorry. So, yeah, they're getting shredded by an offense that was nowhere near seven point eight yeah. yards coming into this game. Yep. So that's that's where it's like I I don't know, man. That like it, it, it I don't I I feel like the defense is as bad as I thought it was going into yeah. this game. So it doesn't make you think. I mean, that... I predicted them to give up twenty eight points. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Yeah, I I predicted 24. I was only off by two touchdowns. Um, But yeah, it's, I don't know. Like I kind of waffle back and forth between, you know, is this a step in the right direction or is it just, 
you know, whatever I'm talking myself into something because, uh, because I'm a fan and, and that's what I do. Um, it did seem to me, and I, I don't know, maybe you can weigh in on whether it seemed this way to you. Did it seem like they were not rotating as many players as they typically do? Because if not, then that maybe could explain a little also in that, um, you know, some fatigue starts. I mean, I think Dallas Hobbs is, is an example. Um, you know, he played what seemed to be a ton of snaps because that was something I was really trying to keep an eye on was how much he was playing, how much uh, Alapatea Pei was playing, how much uh, McDougal was playing, right? And it yeah, sure seemed saw, like Hobbs was playing a yeah. lot. Well, particularly early. Yeah. But I think he was, I, th- I think in the second half, he probably didn't play as much. Maybe I mean, it just actually, like I mean, it just McDougal. in general it seemed because I don't remember seeing Travion Brown a whole lot. No, um, no, no. Yeah, yeah. so so I, I you know it seemed to me that maybe they didn't rotate as heavily as they had been, which you know on the one hand is is good if you're trying to like make sure you are assignment sound. On the other hand, not so good when um, degrees when it's ninety degrees, <laughs> you know, in the middle of the afternoon in Arizona. So. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I would, I would agree with that. Yeah, um, they kind of picked their guys and they, and they went with them. And uh, um, yeah, maybe if maybe if it was sixty degrees, that would yeah. out a little better. Well, four p.m. Uh, starting Pullman this weekend ought to uh, ought to to give a little more opportunity for that. So yeah, I think it's about I think it's about uh, forty five. Supposed to be about forty five. Yeah, mm, it's going to be a gorgeous, gorgeous, very typical Colorado. <laughs> in yeah. Pullman game. That's why I have but, the seats under the hood. Anyway. Yeah, because you are um, a smart man. Yeah. But yeah, any other thoughts overall on the game? Um, You know... Well, I, I, I did want to kind of touch on real quick. Uh, sorry, yeah. I'm you, I asked you a question. Like, no, no, please. Um, you know, you, you sometimes you just got to get things out. So, yeah. yeah this, so I, I had a little, a little thing. I'm a little frustrated with Leach. Is that we, you know, you and I have read before that his you know people see him as a guy that goes for it on fourth down a lot oh yeah and and so people kind of see it as a philosophy but leach says it's not really a philosophy he just like looks at the situation and decides can i get it can i get it that's what he's that's what he says but what we see is we've seen him burn timeouts or end up getting delays of game or something uh because because he is sitting there thinking about it and right and and he had to take that time out before the field goal because it took him forever to figure right. out and then they were rushing the field goal and that's why Mazza missed the first one is because they were like they, they were running out there with 10 seconds on the play clock yep. to try to set up for a field goal because yep. it took forever to decide because it was fourth and three that um or fourth and six i don't know whatever, whatever. yeah they should they should have went for it i don't care whatever because you should have known your defense is going to a touchdown but yeah. anyways so but if 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 he had a philosophy about going for it on fourth down then it'd just be like, well, it was kind of like uh, when Chip Kelly was at Oregon. They all, they would go for it. They almost always would go for it. Yeah. And like so, like the offense wouldn't even come off the field. Right. And, well, that's the thing is, our guys don't come off the field because they know there's a chance. Right. Like it's not like you know some teams you just you know put your head down, head over the sideline. You know you see our quarterbacks like look over like, eh, eh, come on, let me try to get it. Yep. And then they run off. Um. So yeah, it's it's just like. You know what? If like if if you're gonna be a guy that goes for it on fourth down, just say hey. Just know if the, in these situations I'm going for it, we're all we're gonna go for it. 
if you're sitting there and giving yourself like you you have let's say probably maybe 10 seconds to make that decision right he's just taking longer than that so here's and, what i think is going on he's wasting timeouts that, yes you know would be nice to have at the end of the game yep and uh he's sometimes you know delay games things like that yep so Here's what I think is going on because you're right. It, 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 you know, you're, you're basically launching right into something that I already have put down a whole bunch of words about in my Monday column. <laughs> um, so for people who read that and listen to the podcast, sorry, Riverhawk. Um, it's basically, I think this, I think it's part of the vagaries of having a coach who is your offensive coordinator. So where, you know, right. if you're, if you've got an offensive coordinator calling the plays, and that is separate from your head coach. And the head coach is sort of constantly thinking about the game state, right? Like what's the right decision, you know, and, and that offensive core or sorry, the, the head coach that's not the offensive coordinator might be thinking, you know, two plays ahead. Okay. If we get to fourth and three from here, I'm either going to kick it or go for it. Like, so you can like, like that guy can think a little bit ahead and make that decision. Um, Leach being your offensive coordinator means he's always thinking about the next play, right? What's the next play? What's, what's the next play I'm going to call? What's, what's our next thing for moving the ball? And then all of a sudden, you know, oh shit, it's fourth down, right? And, and I think this fits into a little bit with, um, again, you know, referencing the Connor Halliday podcast with the, uh, with the Coog Talk guys. It, it, you know, he talks about how, how they talks about how Leach is just sort of sometimes incredulous at the idea that, wait, it didn't work. Like, right. like that's insane. You know, like this works. It works. If you just do it right, it works, you know? And so, I don't think he really entertains the idea of fourth down until it's fourth down. And then when it's fourth down, he's sitting there and you see, you know, the paralysis in his eyes, right? Where, you know, the camera inevitably goes to him. Mouth agape, looking at the scoreboard. (laughs) And you just see him just standing there and you're like, oh my God, like, come on, you know? And, and I think literally he has not really thought about it until that moment. And now all of a sudden it's fourth and three and he's like, well, shit, it's fourth and three. Uh, what do I do now? See in the confounding part about this is exactly what you said. Like, you know, if you, you know, Chip Kelly, when he was at Oregon, right, we just, we just go for it on fourth. That's just what we do. And, and Leach says, Hey, if I think I can get it, we're going to go for it. That's obviously not true, right? Like he makes decisions all the time that are on game state. Absolutely. Yes. You know, where he looks at game state and makes a decision based on the game state, like fourth and three from our own 38 with two and a half minutes to go. It's like, look, if you didn't think we could get three damn yards, you know, I mean, come on, right? Like we can get three yards. Now we're on our own 38. There's two and a half minutes to go. He's thinking if we don't get it, like, like a coach, like a coach should. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and rip him for the decision per se in the sense that, um, you know, yeah, if you don't get it and now they've got 38 yards to go get a touchdown and they're 10 yards from field goal range. Okay. So I get like, if that's the thing I get it, but it's also like, yo, your defense is horrendous. Like, like don't, don't fall into the trap of thinking your defense has played okay. And therefore you can punt it away and everything's going to be fine. Like, you know, you got to like use your brain a little bit. 
Um, and I just think that being the offensive coordinator and also being the head coach means that he's not thinking enough about that. And, and, and I'm not saying that's necessarily wrong or bad or something should be different or whatever, but it's like, you know, if you're, if you are concentrating on maximizing your offensive production, and then all of a sudden you have to flip a switch and be the guy who's supposed to maximize your team's, you know, win probability, like that's a tough switch to do. The only thing that confounds me about is, yo, if you're the offensive coordinator, shouldn't you be just sort of like, you know, balls out for the offense? Like, shouldn't you just be like, yeah, we're just, we're going, I'm the offensive coordinator and fuck it, man, we're going for it. Like, shouldn't that be the stance? And that's the part that kind of drives me nuts. It's like, look, if you're the offensive coordinator and you think your offense is awesome, then just ride that. Then just be that and stop trying to like, I don't know, like, eh, do I kick it or not? Like, just, just be like, you know what? Our offense is awesome and we're going to be great and, and ride that. And if you don't get it, you don't get it, but you know, be who you are and don't worry so much about the other stuff. So there rant over. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Like what what you're saying is, you know, uh, if he's, if he's coming up with, yeah, if he's sitting there trying to be the head coach and offensive coordinator at the same time, he has to first decide, am I going to kick it or am I going to, and I'm going to go for it. But he also has to decide what play he's going to run. Right. If, if I'm going to go for it, you know, like typically you, you have your offensive coordinator, you, you turn and look at him. We're going for it. What play are you running? Right. And and the offensive coordinator already has that play. Has already thought it through. Because he's, yep. ar- he's already thought, he's like, well, if coach says, yes, this is a play we're running. But Leach has to be like, okay, what, what's the down distance? What, what play am I running now? You know, like, and so it's. Exactly. That's why we get the, the vacant stare look. And um, yeah, you know, it's, we, like the Cougs definitely go for it on fourth more than other teams. Yep. And I like that. And and a lot of that comes from like what he says. It's his belief that they can get for it. But it's it's the annoyance is where it comes from. Like you like like you said, you really don't think we can get three yards. Like yep. you 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 must always think that they're gonna like like because if his mentality is that every play should work, like this should work. This has worked for you know decades now. This should work. Then he should know he has a ba- he has a million plays that can get three yep. yards. Yep. Like and so. So yeah, so I yeah, I just want to uh rant on that a bit. Um because I kinda stole uh, your rant though. Sorry. Yeah, but I, I, I knew you had one, so I wanted Ugh, to set you up. I definitely um, had one. So uh so yeah, that it, it I it definitely had a huge impact on this game. So I think it was a good time to bring it up. <laughs> and um and yeah, so I, I just hope it uh hope it and it's had it's happened. Yeah, and look, I mean, I just want to be clear. A a, a drive against UCLA, they were in deep. They were in UCLA territory, and they punted on like fourth and five, and that didn't work out either. That didn't work out either. So, you got to know your personnel. Like that's the thing. Like the strength of the team is the offense. And, you know, we joke about it, right? You made reference to the Seahawks, like, like Danny O'Neill, who is a, you know, a, a radio guy for ESPN radio up here in Seattle. But it's like, you know, he said, Pete Carroll coaches, like he had the team he wishes he had versus the team he actually has. 
And it's like, that's so true of the Seahawks. And I think that's true of, you know, Mike Leach to some degree. It's like, yo, like the defense is trash. Like you have to coach, like your defense is going to give up a touchdown on every drive. Like, I think that's how you have to decide things. And I know that's hard for a coach. Like, I know that's not, that's not easy. And I know it doesn't come naturally, but I really think that that's how he has to coach. And, you know, when you're making a decision, do we go for it or do we punt? You know, you've got to make a decision that like, hey, if we don't get it and they've got the ball on our 40 yard line and they might score, well, okay, that's bad. But if we punt it, they might score anyway because our defense is horrendous. And, you know, the coach has got to be mature enough to have that understanding. Like he can't just be Pollyanna like, oh, our defense is definitely going to make a play this time, even though they haven't, you know, every other time. It's like you just... You can't do that. You can't, you can't coach like that. You have to be aware of your team's strengths and weaknesses and you have to coach to those things. And that might mean, you know, going for it in a spot where it might be a little uncomfortable versus, you know, punting it away when the game state might usually dictate that like like punting it like i don't have a problem with necessarily punting it on fourth and three in a vacuum right fourth and three from your 38 with uh with two and a half minutes to go like in a vacuum you're like yeah that's a punt but it's like this isn't a vacuum you know like your offense is really good your defense is terrible your defense has been hanging on by a thread for the first you know three out of the first four drives great let's try and like you know do what we can do with what the offense can do and you know if your coach scared you know with this you just can't coach this this team the way you would coach a normal team like the defense is so bad you have to assume they're going to give up a touchdown And if they've gotten three drives without touchdowns, then you have to be like, blessed be, we have the advantage right now and we need to put our foot on the gas and take advantage of it because it's not going to stay that way. And you have to coach like that. Yep. Sorry, I just took you over again. And of course, we are (laughs) team never punt anyway. Um, Well, just in general, for sure. In general, for sure. But also, Oscar Jurgisvich had an amazing game. He like, did. He crushed it. If uh, only he played defense. If, yeah. But he did yeah. great. And can he play corner? Yeah. He looks a little maybe. undersized, but maybe. Yeah. I don't know um, how fast he is, but. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, we're 3-3. Three and three. Woo! Uh, <sighs> yeah. You want to take a break, talk about some beer, maybe? Sure. Look at the rest of the season. See where these, sure. see where this thing is going. <laughs> sure, I'd love to. All right, we're back. All right, man. Uh, Do I sound excited? Yeah, so excited. God damn it! You just said like, "Oh, we're three and three, and I'm like, uh, <laughs> "We're zero oh and three in the Pac-12." I know. Usually, usually, if we're at this point, you know, in 2015, 2016, it means we just kicked a kicked a game or two in the uh, in the non conference. But we're sitting at like t- three and zero. Oh and <laughs> right, exactly. But no, no, we 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 zero uh, uh, and three in the Pac twelve. Uh, that's know. the that's the most losses they've had. This ties for the most losses they've had in the last four years in conference. Yeah, play. yeah, and it's uh, it's not going to stay that, that way. I don't they're think they're going to rattle off six. So Jeff, uh, what are you? Uh, what beer are you drinking? All right. Well, hey, drink. 
because yeah, we're well, it's mo- it's mostly drank at this point, and, and this is probably why my rants are getting longer because I am having, um, I am having the London Balling uh, barley wine from Against the Grain Brewery in Kentucky. Um, so the description here is it says balls deep exclamation point. Big, ballsy, barmy, and barrel-aged, London Balling is not typical. It's a skirmish of flavor. The barrel imparts oak and vanilla mixed with the caramel sweetness from a malt bill with brick that'll knock your bloody bullocks around. Hey, bloke, fancy that? You'll be gobsmacked. So there we go. 12.5% alcohol by volume, and I'm almost done with my pint. So yes, that is probably why my rants are getting longer and more angry. Pint was it in like a sixteen ounce uh, can. can or something? Yeah, nice. Yeah, I'll tweet out the picture, but yeah, uh, yeah. basically so, the I love a, a time where you can get twelve percent beers in sixteen ounce single serving cans. Yeah, <laughs> so it's like um, the the picture on it is like a uh, it's like a cartoon drawing of like a like a erstwhile punk dude with a with a mohawk who. Uh, Let's see, he's got a tattoo on his arm that says balls deep, and he's got a patch on his vest that says malt. So, yeah, there you go. It's pretty tasty. Not as, it's not, uh, what I like about it is that um, that it's not overly sweet, nor is it overly boozy. Um, it's got, I think, just kind of a right amount of sweetness, which, because sometimes, uh, and I know you are, you're much more of a barley wine connoisseur than I am, but... Um, some of the barley ones I've had have just been like overpoweringly sweet, almost kind of syrupy. Um, and this is not like that. So yeah, it's very tasty. Yeah, that's a kick-ass review. I'm proud of you. There um, you go. Interesting. I, I, of course, look up your beer every time you get one. That That is interesting. Yeah. Um, that I haven't had. I haven't had that one. Yeah, I haven't logged this one yet. So go ahead so, and start talking uh, about yours, and then I'll log mine. Well, no, let me just uh, – so yours, the, the one you're having, the London Balling – is I'm curious. It's interesting. It's aged for nearly three months in barrels, in bourbon barrels, which is not that long. That's not that long. <laughs> yeah, a lot that's of that's like, pretty short amount of time. Years you'll see like nine to eighteen months, sometimes two years, whatever. So yeah, you're probably not getting a ton of barrel. Um, Angels Heavy. I mean, I'm they're in Louisville, so they must get some access to some barrels. You would sure. think. You would um, definitely there, think. I'm curious, is there any smoky element to that? Not really. Yeah, not really. Against the Grain is kind of famous for they smoke almost, they, almost every one of their beers is smoked. And that's yeah, why not I really not on drink. this one. That's good, because I, I usually don't drink hardly any of their beers, because like almost all of them are smoked, and I do not like smoked beers very much. Well. Um, so, But yeah, so uh, I might have to... I have to check that one out. I'm always looking to try uh, barley wines, particularly ones aged in barrels. And wouldn't you know, Jeff, I am riding that multi train tonight as well. Attaboy. So um, what I am having is called Third Coast Old Ale. It's from Bell's Brewing in Comstock, Michigan. Uh, Bell's is one of the OGs of craft beer. Uh, They were actually... Formed in 1985, um, and they're still very relevant, which is impressive for a brewery that started then. Um, they uh, they're most known for the Two Hearted IPA, 
um, which you, it's like a Midwest staple, um, a very uh, caramel malt forward IPA, a uh, really classic Midwestern type IPA, kind of one of the defining, like the, there's so many of IPAs like it from Midwestern breweries because that beer is so influential, too hearted. Third Coast Old Ale is just, it's like a 10% uh, big old uh, malty bomb of a beer. Um, old ales uh, kind of come from, um, it's, it's old ales is kind of uh, came from uh, when they're an English style that uh, just like barley wine, um, barley wine probably would have been called an old ale at times too, um, because it's just a, a beer that you could keep for a long time in a barrel or something um, and, and drink it, you know, like for your, when you're not brewing, um, maybe in, in the, in the months that you couldn't brew and it's too hot or too cold or whatever. Um, so it, it, so it's usually high alcohol, um, very malty. It's funny, this one's called old. So, so, uh, there's a reason I picked this. Um, this beer was packaged on September 5th, 2014. Ooh. Um, so, uh, the provenance of this beer, uh, a buddy of mine had went to the brewery that like, so we had met um, at a conference in Ottawa, Canada, and uh, I, I had driven there from where I lived in Vermont. It was about a four-hour drive um, through Quebec, and uh, we met there. Um, usually this guy, when we meet, we bring each other beers. So he had brought me a bunch of different um, Bell's beers. This might be the last one I have of that set. I would hope so. So I actually have had this beer since 2014, when I lived in Vermont, it moved across the country. The only beers that I sent across the country because we moved in the winter were beers of like 8% or higher that I knew wouldn't freeze. And so I drank the rest of my beers. So this is this one moved across the country with me from Vermont. And then, of course, moved from Olympia to Tacoma with me. Um, so it has some dust on the bottle. Like, definitely some dust on the bottle. So I'll give you some singing now. There might be... A little dust on the bottle. Don't let it fool you about what's inside. Uh, that's that's my girlfriend's favorite country song. Um, <laughs> there you go. It's a good country song. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, so this beer is, it says right on the bottle, an ale for those who appreciate complexity and vintage character. Fill a snifter and enjoy it now or commit some bottles to the cellar to test your patience. Well, I tested my patience. Five years, five years. Okay, so what's a so long ass time, man? So, 2014, um, I, I of course had to pick because this uh, this is definitely the um, first time we've lost three Pac-12 games in a row since 2014. So, I had to celebrate that with a beer from 2014. Um, anyway, so interesting thing about this beer, it's it's it's. I'm glad I aged it. And it has some hop character that's still hanging on. I bet the hops were super prevalent when it was... And I do not like these big hoppy malt bomb beers. Like, Ameri- it's, the style is called American Barley Wine. When it, like when it's a really malty barley wine type beer and it's hoppy. And the funny thing is, they now... They actually now brand this beer as an American Barley Wine. Like, they... So that that's barley wines have now come more into the mainstream, but back in the day, breweries would make barley wines, but they didn't want to confuse people with like the wine kind of connotation, and they want so they would just name them old ales or 
or uh, strong ales or something like that. So you have a lot of these kind of like vintage beers that are barley wines, but they just didn't call them that because no one wanted to try a barley wine. But if you call it old ale or something, you know, it has a more of a more, more of an attractive um, name. So yeah, if you so this this bottle from 2014 doesn't say anything about barley wine anywhere on it at all. But if you look at the new bottles, they say Third Coast Old Ale, American Barley Wine Ale, right on it. So um, so a lot of this, I, I'm drinking it out of um, a glass from um, Don't Drink Beer. It's a it's a glass sold by Don't Drink Beer, um, which is a blog, and then who he also has the podcast Malt Couture. Um, so he has been a proponent of barley wines and has almost single-handedly, I swear to God, brought them into the mainstream. Um, barley wine is life. He has started. Um, so now barley, now you see barley wines all the time, everywhere. Um, so we have those now. Um, this one is definitely nice. Uh, five years out, like it, it tastes nice. Um, uh, not you know, it's a little sweetness, a little hoppiness. Like it's very nice. Drinks pretty easy for ten percent. Um, I've been enjoying it as we've been talking about terrible things. Um, <laughs> but beer yeah, makes so, things uh, less terrible. So yeah, I f- figured I'd bust out a five-year-old beer, and uh, I'm glad I did. Sometimes I get these beers that have been sitting there so long. I'm like, am I ever going to drink that beer? But yeah, so uh, Bell's Brewing. Um, they used to be kind of Midwest focused. I looked at their distribution map. Uh, they are in all of 39 states, like the full distribution, and and they also distribute in Southern California. Um, so 39 and a half states and Puerto Rico as well. Um, so they are quite a bit. Washington, Oregon cannot get it. Idaho, Montana, and Utah also cannot get it there. Oklahoma, Virginia. So, uh, those are the states. So no, you cannot rush out and go buy a third coast old ale. Um, if you're one of our Washington listeners, but if you're in any other state, Go check it out, and maybe don't drink it fresh. Just let it sit for a few years. <laughs> maybe let it sit for five years. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually read some. Um, it, the, the kind of general idea with it is like it's got to be at least three years. And so it's it, this is same with like uh, like Bigfoot barley wine from Sierra Nevada. Things that people always say don't drink that beer fresh. It's just too hoppy, too out of control. Um, but but yeah. So Third Coast Oldale Bell's Brewing. We're all about the barley wines today, man. I didn't even know. We don't even talk about what beers. We did not coordinate. But uh, I I think uh, when it comes to trying to get over or trying to deal with a loss like that and talk about it, we both went with strong. That was pretty much it. That was pretty much it. Like I was thinking, I've I've had this barley wine sitting in my fridge for a few months. And I was like, okay, I'm going to drink it tonight. Because I was like, (sighs) I need alcohol. I need alcohol. Yeah. So you're probably going to need more. Um, so what do you, so looking at ASU, Utah, UCLA, we have those data points now. Um, how have your prospects for the rest of the season changed? Um, obviously those are all losses and we expected at least one of them to be a win. Uh, yeah, at least. We knew these other two were going to be tough. Um, but, uh, but, but the, uh, we expected at least one of those to be a win. So you would think you, we were thinking at worst, you'd be one and two right now. Oh, and three. Um, it makes the, 
we, as we talked about earlier, it makes that climb to bulgeability, which is not something we thought we'd have to worry about. Like after right. Houston, we did, we weren't thinking there was going to be a sort of struggle, but uh, yeah. So, how has your outlook now changed? What, I, what do you th- like? What What do you think is going to happen? We're halfway through the season. Yeah. Um, maybe let's 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 kind of briefly let's do it a little shorter. Uh, go through our probability exercise for the, the oh my last God. six games of the year. Let's yeah. Not, let's not, we're, let's not, we, we know what these teams are. We know what the team is. We're not going to do all that analysis, so we'll do a rapid fire. Yeah. Um, um, let me, I'll get out a. You're gonna, are you going to take down the numbers? Yeah, let me, let me pull up a, a doc here. All right. Um, but yeah, so, so obviously, um, uh, so, uh, what are you thinking? Starting with Colorado, what what probability would you put on that? So, I think Colorado is like sixty percent. I still think that's you know pretty good. I, I mean, you know, if we go back to and again, I know you said you, we didn't need analysis, but um, if, if the game if that game on Saturday is played in Pullman, I think we probably win that game. So, yep. I, you know, I think the home field advantage, you know, makes makes a difference against Colorado. So I, I I'll go sixty percent. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm that was exactly what I was thinking. Um, I'm just going to copy you. Sixty uh, percent, absolutely. Um, yeah, uh, we'll talk about that more on uh, Friday, so we won't get into it much here. So after that, we have Oregon at Oregon, which we were pretty a lot more confident about at the start of the season. Um, just because uh, WSU had beaten Oregon four times in a row, but they had also beaten Utah four times in a row. So what do we, what do we think? Where, where do you? I think you probably were at like forty five percent or fifty <laughs> yeah. percent before the season. Where are you at now? Uh, since I've had a beer, I'll be optimistic and say fifteen percent. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go ten. Yeah. Uh, I just. Yeah. That's I. I mean, just because they're offensive talent, I'll give them, uh, you know, a, a, a fighter's chance. But yeah, I think ten percent so. is still, uh, you know, that's it's not out of the and that's not insanity. But no, um, but yeah, so ten percent. Uh, after that, we got another road game at Cal. Yeah. That's a tough one because I don't think Cal's very good. Like, I, I don't think they're as good. But, you know, I mean, the Cal bullshit that always happens. And I'll go 40%. Yeah, I actually, um, Cal's defense doesn't look as good as it was last year. Um, there is the Cal bullshit. But I'm going to go uh, 45%. Um, yeah. I, 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 you know, if. That's if, reasonable. Ask me if we beat Colorado. Ask me after that. I'll probably raise it, but um, I'm going to go 45. Um, percent I'm totally doing the schedule from memory now. Uh, Cal, <laughs> and then Stanford. Isn't it, at home. Stanford is it Stanford or Oregon State? Yeah, I can't Stanford remember which first. order. Okay, Stanford. Stanford. First, yeah. I'll I'll go 50 percent on right. that one. I'm a little like, more bullish. I'm going to go 55. Yeah. Um, Oregon State. I'm still gonna go like 65 percent on that. All right. Like, like I know their offense is good. Good. Sorry, that's probably too strong. Their offense is better and dangerous, but I still don't think that that's a team that should be able to hang with us at our place. 
Nope. Yeah. I'm going 70%. Uh, let's go 75. Let's throw it on there. And, uh, yeah, Washington. 0%. Yeah, even though Washington looks way worse. Nah, 0%. <laughs> yeah, I'm going zero. No chance. No chance. Okay. Okay, so let me do some math in my head real quick. Um, Are there three wins in there? Uh, let's see, Jeff, you have 1.15, 1.5. Does it add up to 300%? I don't think so because I punted Yours on the Apple Cup. Yours, you got two point. Okay, so I got 0. 0.75, 1.15, 1.65, 2.3. That's it, huh? Yeah. You can't even so I have... Uh, Point seven, uh, point, uh, point. Oh, one, we got the same. So one point one five, and then one point seven, and then two point four five. So nope, neither of us have. <laughs> Even with rounding. Nope. Uh, and this is where, like, okay. So I mean, this is the thing. I mean, people keep saying this on on the comments or whatever, and it's and it's totally true. It's like this is where the UCLA game kills you, right? And where this be at Ari- four right now, yeah, and where because all of a sudden you take you take what should have been like a ninety percent game and it's zero percent because you lost, right? Because well, I mean, once the game's over, it's binary; it's either one hundred or zero. So you know, you take what should have been a win and make it not a win, and then you know, the Arizona State game feels the same way, right? Like this is a game they very easily could have won, you know, circling back to what we talked about earlier. And, you know, so now there's out of these three games, you know, two of them, you know, you got one, you should have won, you got one, you should have lost, and you got one that was a coin flip and it went against you. And it's like, and and in the end you ended up 0-3. Like that's how teams end up missing bowl games is, you know, you go like, yeah, I think we're a bull team. I think we're good enough. I think we are a seven or eight win team on talent. You know I mean? You say all those things and then it's like, but you lost these games that you were either in control of or could have won. And, you know, the, and these things are riding on a, on a blade where it's like, yeah, maybe, you know, if that fumble by the sideline, we end up recovering Yep. You know what I mean? It's like, it, it, you know, all the, it, it's like, like karma is paying us back for last year is what it feels like. You know I mean? We, we go back to the UCLA game. We put the ball on the ground six times and, and UCLA recovers every single or five times and UCLA recovers all of them. It's, it's just, it's bananas. Like we are just not, you know, I mean, fans, sports fans don't like to talk about luck, but you and I, since we're statistically minded, we do. It's like, you know, I mean, we're like, we are not getting lucky this season. Like we're not getting fortunate and, and we're paying for it at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's weird. I, I, I think that WSU is probably like a top 40 team. I think so. Um, so you're looking at if UCLA and Arizona state broke differently, they're definitely, you know, they're. They're ranked and whatever, but that's when you're... Yeah, top, you're 5-1 you know, and, and like a top 20 team. Yeah, when you're like a 35-ish, you know, maybe on talent team, like you can have a couple things break that way, a couple things break the other way. And like you said, it's breaking the other way. That that gives me a little bit more optimism. Um, 
you like it couldn't all have all been gardener magic <laughs> last year you'd like uh, to think so but uh but yeah so yeah it, it gives me a little more optimism that they can get three and then maybe they can like you know steal one at cal if they don't you know or they could steal a, another one in there to make it a little less stressful yeah. uh, i do I think it's entirely possible because i think they're they're as good as team as cal and they're 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 be- I think they're better than Colorado, and I think they're better than Stanford, and I think they're better than Oregon State. But yeah, they've they've just had some really like shitty luck. And and then and then you also when you look at our probabilities um, that UW game based on just the te- you know the the quality of the teams, we would normally give probably more of like a twenty percent, but because it's UW, you give it a zero, so maybe. But that would put of us both into rounding up to three. But that's the thing is like when you just have that game at the end of the year that you just know is not going to win. So really you're down to five games. Right. And then one of those is at uh, the best team in the conference and uh, who's looking pretty damn good right now. Um, uh, and it's whose defense is looks way improved. Um, yeah. So th- that suddenly becomes a game that maybe you thought maybe was – definitely winnable at the start of the season not so winnable anymore and now yeah so yeah i think we're not we're not it's tons worse than the 2016 team or the 2017 team or the 2015 team but this season so far has not broken their way and they haven't gotten any luck with like not facing with facing backup quarterbacks, which some of those teams had. Um, so when, when you hit, like you said, when you're, when you're a seven win team, you know, on paper, uh, you, that means that's, that's the median. So there's definitely some five win. Uh, what, what, well, we were optimistic that we could get to the nine win maybe before the, maybe eight or nine win before the right. season. There's also some five, wins in yeah i mean that's well like whenever you like go look at these statistical analyses of how many games a team is going to win there's always a range you know where it's like okay what's the probability you know so whenever they predict uh you know wins it's like okay what's what do they think is most likely Right. And then, but then there's always these tales on both ends where it's like, okay, well, if everything breaks right, this team could end up over here. And if everything breaks wrong, this team can end up over here. And, you know, so a team that might be, you know, seven or eight wins on talent, you know, if some things break wrong, all of a sudden you're a five or a four win team. And it's not like it's, um, totally impossible. It's just, yeah, it's improbable that you would do that. But, you know, we have a president who was improbable, like improbable does not mean impossible. And this team is starting to feel like the improbable, you know, five win team. And at this point, if they can get to six, you know, we end up looking back at the season and going, boy, that was shitty, you know, should have beat UCLA really could have beat ASU, Probably in the last six games, there will probably be another game where we could go like, God, this team was like so close to winning eight or nine games, you know, because some seasons are just like that. What you really don't want is to get to the end of the year 
and, and just, you know, and have it be like that and not go to a bowl game. Like you just, you want to go to that bowl game. You want, even if it's, you know, Vegas or El Paso or whatever, like you really want, you just, you want that. Like you want that every year and that's really important. And it's not, it's not like it's a program killer to not go to the Vegas bowl, but it's like, you know, it, it matters. It matters to the players. Um, it matters to the fans and, and look, we have a non-zero number of fans that would consider a Vegas bowl a total success. So (laughs) I I will say if we, if WSU ends up at six and six, they're not going to the Vegas bowl. They're going, they're going to be out of the regular pecking order. Probably because with a three and six conference record, they will be probably in in like uh, Memphis or yeah, it depends on what goes on around them, but yeah, but I don't know. I, I doubt you can find a three and six squad that was in the actual conference well they don't i mean they don't pick bowl games based on conference record it's on um overall record so that's true yeah so i don't know anyway it's yeah anyway you know whatever it's uh yeah Feel good about six and six if we can get there at this point because you know you've already kicked you, you definitely have kicked away one game you should have won, and there's another game that you easily could have won. Um, you know, if you can still get to six after that, then then you feel all right. So that's that that's kind of where I'm at. You know, if we can just get to six, great. You know, I'm I'm I, I don't think I would if if we won the three home games and lost the three road games, I, I don't think that I would feel I think I would feel pretty okay about the way the season played out because it's pretty clear at this point, the team's not what we thought it was heading into the year. And at some point you readjust your expectations and say, okay, you know, they're not what we thought. They're not what we um, were hoping for. And so, you know, to continue to hold on to those expectations is, it just seems sort of uh, seems silly. So. Right. Well, hopefully uh, next week we can be a little happier. Turn. I hope so. One of those. Turn one of those sixty uh, percents on our list into yeah, one hundred. Into a one hundred, and then that makes the math a little better going. Yeah, forward. it does. Um, so yeah, um, thank you for listening. Uh, please subscribe if you are not subscribing. Um, if you are subscribing, please rate and give us five stars and yeah, leave a comment. Do that comments. Um, yeah, and uh, if you have any questions or comments, uh, podcast versus everyone at gmail.com or on Twitter at pod versus everyone or at Craig at the Craig powers. Um, you can always send us comments or questions or whatever. Um, yeah, but yeah, subscribe, rate us five stars, do all that. Yeah. And when Craig says that we like the reviews, we really do. I'm trying to pull up a review right now. Cause we, we do like them. Um, hold on. Now I'm now I'm doing bad radio here. Uh Coog Center. Good work, Jeff. Hang on. I'm getting there. All right, so um we got forty one reviews, five stars, and thirty nine thirty nine of those are five stars. The last one we that was on here was September eighteenth, which frankly was a long time ago, so we need your help, people. Said so a great so this is from Valhalla VIP, who I think is actually a Ooh. commenter on our site too. Uh, a great wazoo 
focused podcast for those of us who hold WSU and Pullman so dear, but also fair analytics for the sports geeks out there like myself. Mix in a little bit fun beer talk and other topics, and you have an enjoyable hour plus on a weekly basis. That is the kind of review that we are looking for because that is awesome. Yes. Um, I do like this one. Really entertaining and insightful Cougs podcast. Jeff and Craig are awesome. Thank yeah. you, D from BG. D from BG. I'm going to show Thanks, that man. one to my dad. He'll be so yeah. proud. Dude, we are um, awesome. I feel good going into my work week now. Someone called yeah. me awesome. You subscribe. You also get the Cook Center Hour on Wednesdays. Yes. Um, so we got the dulcet tones of Michael Preston. Golden Throat, as we call him. Yes, as we like to call um, him. And then, and then also uh, you can get our previews on Friday. So three podcasts to fill up your right three per week for the price of one free subscription (laughs) no (laughs) do you like how do you like how i did that (laughs) (sighs) all right craig well hopefully we uh this is three too many losing weeks in a row i'm really yeah get back basketball is coming soon Woo! it's right around the corner All right, man. All right, dude. Go Kooks, Craig.